I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. This is World Soccer Talk Radio here with you on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. My name is Nate Abaurea. Get involved in that crazy thing known as Twitter at NateWST to get a hold of me at World Soccer Talk for all of us, the whole lot, and at Sports Byline USA for updates on the program. Subscribe to us and please leave us a review on iTunes. Check us out on TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and of course, WorldSoccerTalk.com. Special hello, as always, to the men and women listening to this program overseas via the American Forces Network. Very special show for you today. Shet Messi is going to be with us talking all about the New York Cosmos and the Fort Lauderdale Strikers in this NASL championship semifinal that's coming up tomorrow. Ottawa taking on Minnesota in the other NASL semifinal clash. But we're going to talk about more than just this weekend. We're going to take a trip back to the 1970s, the glory era of the North American Soccer League. And my goodness, after having Ray Hudson on yesterday and talking all about his days with the Fort Lauderdale Strikers, now we got Shep, a former New York Cosmos goalkeeper from the glory era of the NASL. And I love it here in the the reincarnation of the North American Soccer League as they get down to their final four. It's the Cosmos and the Strikers taking on each other in this semifinal tomorrow. Cannot wait to talk with Shep about all that and more. And we'll take a little trip also to the old MISL a little bit later in the program. Talk about the quirks and the funny tales of the old major indoor soccer league. Cannot wait to get that conversation going. We'll talk also about a bridge to Cuba, the new documentary coming out from One World Sports, all about the Cosmos trip to Havana to play a friendly against the Cuban national team. Talk about the social and political meanings of that match and what viewers can expect from the new documentary that's due to come out this weekend from One World Sports. And before the show is over, before the week is over, we will be getting into the Triple F, the Fearless Friday forecast. We've got matches from the aforementioned NASL Final Four, the championship semifinals. We've got La Liga, MLS Cup playoffs, and of course, the Premier League. We'll lay down a prediction for the North London Derby. So much to get into today. Shep messing with us on the other side of this break. Very much looking forward to this edition of World Soccer Talk Radio. And thank you for being a part of it. Stick around. We're back after this. Soccer Talk Radio with your host, Nada Barea, on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. But I am now the president of everybody. 
Our guest in this edition of World Soccer Talk Radio is a New Yorker through and through. He's a goalkeeper through and through, and he's going to be calling the NASL Championship semifinal on One World Sports between the New York Cosmos and the Fort Lauderdale Strikers. Alongside our good friend JP Della Camera this Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern Time. His name is Shep Messing. Shep, thank you so much for coming on, sir. Hey, Nate. A pleasure. Anytime, pal. So uh, let, let's talk about this Cosmos Strikers Championship semifinal in the NASL. I, I, I feel like when I hear Cosmos and Strikers, there, there's something going on in my head. I'm like, I, I feel like I've heard this song before. <laughs> it's certainly, uh, Nate, it's a song that I've heard before. And many of the great players who played for the Strikers, Gerd Muller, many Kubias, of course, I had on my team the Cosmos, Pele and Canalia and Beckenbauer, and we always beat up on them many years ago, so maybe the same thing will go on tomorrow. Well, we had, uh, we had Ray Hudson on the show yesterday, so we heard about the Cosmos beating up on the, on the Fort Lauderdale Strikers just a little bit in yesterday's program. Let's get in to the game at hand here. Fort Lauderdale has developed a reputation tactically around NASLs, being a very strong counterattacking team, a team with a lot of pace that can really make you pay for, for pushing too high up and really come back and, and push it down your throats. What are you expecting in that regard as far as the, the counterattacking style from Fort Lauderdale tomorrow? and how the uh, Cosmos are going to combat that. Uh, that's a good point, Nate. And I, I forgot to mention Ray Hudson. I mean, as a midfielder, he was a nightmare to play against because he never stopped running. Nowadays, he never stops talking. But I, I, love, Ray, <laughs> I love Ray Hudson. So, yeah, I think that's the scenario for tomorrow. I think the Cosmos are used to having a lot of possession of the ball. They control the ball. They control the midfield. They sit with... Two players sweeping in front of the back four, Danny Zatella and Marco Senna. And, of course, they're always looking for Raul, wherever he is. And, and they do expect Fort Lauderdale to defend and look to counterattack. And having said that, I, I think the Cosmos will be aggressive, but I think they'll be wary. I mean, Fort Lauderdale can score goals. And, you know, I think the, the notion is you go out and win the first 15 minutes, then win the next 15 minutes. I, I think the Cosmos playing at home, they're going to be aggressive. They'll probably have a lot of the ball. For me, it's always what do you do with your goal-scoring opportunities, and the same goes for the strikers. They're going to have opportunities. question is can they finish? Ship, how much of a difference on the field have, have the likes of Raul and, and Marcos Senna really made for, for the Cosmos in their time with the club? Well, Nate, I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit aware of your background, and you know the sport, and uh, you're a Liverpool guy. So you, you talk about players that make an impact on a team, and when Raul, players like Marcos Senna and Raul are on the field, it takes some time to get used to playing with them because they're really thinking a step ahead of everybody else. But in the end, what it does is it elevates everybody's play. It takes a little bit of while. Uh, you know, when Raul joined the team, everybody's first tendency when they had the ball was to look up and give it to Raul. And, and then they, they start playing with a little bit more confidence, and I think as a result, the entire team is better. Shep, there was a bit of a dip uh, in in form for the Cosmos. Not not too big of a dip, but a, a dip nonetheless in the in the table in the fall season uh, for for the Cosmos. What did you uh, 
uh, attribute that to as far as the, the slight drop in form from spring to fall for the Cosmos? Yeah, Nate, you're absolutely right about that. And they, they went into a stretch during the fall where they were not scoring goals. They were not playing well. They shifted their system tactically, and they played with one central midfielder sweeping in front of the back four, trying to get an additional attacking player onto the field. Uh, and that player was Flores. They actually didn't do as well in that formation. But once they reverted back and Marco Senna was healthy, uh, then they started playing with more fluidity. So, look, in any sport, when you come into the championship, uh, these championship semifinals, you want to be playing well. And, and right now, the New York Cosmos are playing well. What are some of your other favorite storylines coming into this this match? Be them be them nostalgic storylines like we opened with, or or be them true present moment tactical storylines here between the uh, the strikers and the Cosmos ship. Yeah, for me, I uh, look. You know, I'm I'm of a generation on those uh, pretty good teams, the Tampa Bay Rowdies, the Strikers, and obviously my team, the Cosmos. But it's kind of like the older I get, the better I used to be. So I'm. You know, I don't think about those days. I'm really energized by what's happening now. I mean, you know, these teams are good. I mean, this is no slam dunk that the Cosmos are going to get through the semifinal. And if they get to the championship final, you know, boy, it, it's not going to be easy. Ottawa is an extremely good team. So is Minnesota. So th- there are no runaway winners in this thing. I, I think it's pretty dramatic. Shep, what's the, the culture like of, of these current New York Cosmos? And I, and I mean this kind of on a, on a broad level here, from, from the supporters to the management to the players on the field. I, I know sometimes we get carried away with comparing and contrasting the glory era of the old NASL and the cold Cosmos to now, but, but w- w- without maybe doing too much of the comparison to the old stuff, how would you sum up the, the culture of, of this modern-day New York Cosmos side on all levels? Well, what I really love about it, Nate, and you, you know as well as anybody else, it's a totally different landscape in, in North America, in the United States, for soccer. You know, at the international level, at the pro level, totally different landscape than 30, 35 years ago. And yet, that's what's kind of cool, I think, about, about this team, the Cosmos, because they have such a, a rich history to build on. And, you know, it's nice. You talk about the culture of a club. It's nice for the players, management, for the front office, for the owners, to be able to look in the office, in the locker room, in the tunnel, and, and see players who wore that uniform like, like Beckenbauer or Canalia or Pelé. And, and it's the same for some of the other teams. So, you know, totally different landscape for the sport in, in 2015. But it's real nice to have that history. And, and to answer your question, you know, I, I, I think it really gives them a good platform to build on. And, and the players are aware of it. They know it. And when they step on the field, they have some sense of pride that, that they're doing it for the players that came before them. And, and, you know, I think that's nice no matter what the sport is. Absolutely. And Shep, you're going to be calling the match uh, alongside JP Della Camera tomorrow. As, as we said, a great, great friend of the show and, and one of the, the great voices in, in American soccer history. When did you first call a match with JP? How long have you guys actually been working together? You know, that's crazy, Nate, because, um, you know, 
I think I know a little bit about you because I, I checked you out before I called in. And, you know, sometimes it's a dream to end up doing what you do for a job. So back to your question, I was actually injured in a game, an indoor game, when there was no outdoor sport here and, and indoor soccer reigned supreme. I got injured, and they threw me up in the booth with a guy named J.P. Della Camera. So... <laughs> Uh, it was probably 35 years ago, uh, 40 years ago, maybe. Um, I, I went back, continued playing another eight years professionally, and then I was thrown back into the booth with, guess who, J.P. Delacamera. So, you know, we're broadcasting this champ- championship semifinal tomorrow, and I'm bringing a picture. I can't believe you asked that question. So I have a picture, an 8 by 10 uh, black and white picture of that game I just talked about where I was injured, I was thrown into the booth, we were wearing tuxedos for some reason. And and I'll tell you what, we look nothing like we we look today, but JP is we talk about greats in the sport, soccer on the field. Uh JP is a, a legend and icon, so I've been very fortunate to play with legends on the field and be a broadcaster with one for the last 25 years. This Saturday, November the 7th, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on One World Sports. Join J.P. Della Camera and Shep Messing as they get you all ready and take you through the Cosmos and the Fort Lauderdale Strikers in the NASL Championship Semifinal. Continuing this interview conversation with Shep Messing on the other side of this break. World Soccer Talk Radio. Stay tuned. If you're a soccer fan and you want to cut the cord and watch more of the beautiful game, NGSN may be the online streaming service you're looking for, freesoccertrial.com. With NGSN, you get live, legal, and on-demand access to matches from the Eredivisie, J-League from Japan, K-League from Korea, Argentina's Primera Division, Portugal, Ecuador, Russian Premier League, as well as leagues from Bolivia, Venezuela, and more. The games are in HD, and commentaries are available in your choice of English or Spanish. And this is a completely new and legal way to watch soccer games in the U.S. Try it, and I think you'll be impressed. All you have to do is go to freesoccertrial.com and sign up today for your free 30-day trial to NGSN. Again, that's freesoccertrial.com. Freesoccertrial.com. Cheers. Steiner Sports is the largest, most trusted sports memorabilia company in the country, carrying game-used memorabilia, autographed, and unsigned items from hundreds of teams and athletes. Celebrate the 2015 World Series champion Kansas City Royals by shopping the collection at steinersports.com slash royalswin. For a limited time, receive 25% off any unsigned items such as man cave and home signs, World Series team photos, and more. Enter promo code ROYALS25 at checkout. That's ROYALS25 at steinersports.com slash royalswin. Right now, the Home Depot has Pergo XP Haley Oak Laminate Flooring for just $2.29 a square foot. Basic installation is just $0.89 a square foot. So, let's lay down a floor that stands up to our lives with double the durability of regular laminate and just as beautiful as real wood. Let's do this with Pergo XP Haley Oak Laminate Flooring for $2.29. Now, at the Home Depot, more saving. More doing. U.S. only varies by market installation offer valid on laminates over $1.50 a square foot with minimum purchase of 250 square feet. 
must matches. Live, wherever you are, with Fox Soccer to go. Watch select live matches on your smartphone, on your tablet, and on your computer. Get the app, get the games, and get your fix. Live soccer and more. Anytime, anywhere. Sign up to watch the Bundesliga and Champions League at SoccerOnDish.com. Want to stay in touch with your favorite Sports Byline USA network hosts? Like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Sports Byline USA. You can also see the latest news in the world of sports, learn about upcoming contests and giveaways, plus catch up on guest info so you never miss a moment with the biggest names in every sport. Football, basketball, baseball, MMA, and more. No matter where you are in the U.S. or around the world, you can stay connected to the host and fans who love what you love. So check us out on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Byline USA. You're listening to World Soccer Talk Radio with your host, Nada Barea, on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Pretty good. Pretty damn good, that's Well done, Mr. Engineer. Scott Cuddy back in San Francisco coming with the, the Vinnie Jones... Ozzy Osbourne remix right there. That was that was absolutely fantastic. That's a Friday drop right there. Nate Abarea back here with Shep Messing on World Soccer Talk Radio Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Tweet me at Nate WST. Get a hold of all of us at World Soccer Talk. So, Shep, we talked all about the, the championship semifinal uh, happening tomorrow, happening Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, One World Sports. You alongside JP Della Camera calling that match. Well, there's another big program that's going to be on one world sports relating to the New York cosmos this weekend. And that is the bridge to Cuba documentary all about the cosmos trip uh, this summer to play the Cuban national team down in Havana. Talk about this documentary and, and what viewers can expect from this thing. Well, I'll tell you what, this documentary, Nate, it, it's outstanding. One world sports did a tremendous job documenting really an historic trip that the Cosmos took to Cuba. And, and, you know, again, for me, it was so reminiscent of back in our day, in Pele's retirement, his final year, we toured the world, and, and, and we were invited to China. And it was a very different China in 1977. We were the first Western team ever to play there. And some similarities with this Cuba trip, right, as, as soon as... Uh, relations between the countries had eased. Uh, most people were thinking uh, the Boston Red Sox or uh, the New York Yankees or a baseball team was going to be the one invited. But the way I heard the story, and I was honored to broadcast the game, it was soccer. And when they heard the name, the New York Cosmos, uh, Cuba at every level, uh, the government, the Federation said the New York Cosmos, absolutely. And, and, and that's the beauty of sport. You know, we, we all hear, Nate, Sonia, the, the terrible things that are going on in, in, in soccer worldwide, FIFA, but this is the beautiful part of it. You know, it's, it's the New York Cosmos and soccer, it's, it's got the ability to transcend political, social, economic, racial barriers. And, and this was really the best of all things. And the documentary that they put together on this trip, I mean, if, if you're a fan of sport, 
any place in the world, you got to see it. it. It was really well done, and it was uh, made you feel good about the sport we love. Well, and Chef, could you expand a little bit more on, on kind of the, the, the geopolitical side and, and the social meaning of, of this game and the fact that it was the Cosmos who have this worldwide brand and truly exemplifying the power of, of the world's game through, through this match that was, that was a friendly played, played in Havana? Well, Nate, you hit it on the head again. You know, what else can transcend those, those barriers that we see all over the world? And again, I saw it back in my day with Pelé. Uh, you know, they stopped the war in Central America for Pelé to play for three days. And we saw it on the trip to China. And, and these cosmos still have that power. And, and that's what this trip was all about. You know, again, I don't want to go through all the bad stuff. That's the horrible part of, of what we're seeing at the FIFA level. This is the beautiful part. And, and you'll see scenes in that stadium at the game where Cuban and American fans alike singing both national anthems with the flag, one side the Cuba flag, Cuban flag, the other side, the American flag. So, you know, that's, that's the greatness of the sport. You know, that, that two things that really resonate, I think, at a visceral level worldwide, and that's music and soccer. And the New York Cosmos, I don't think there's any doubt, uh, they're the leaders when it comes to that in this country. Chef, talk a little bit about your your experiences personally with the with the Cuban people during during this trip with the Cuban fans down there in Havana. Well, again, you know, you you, you think about it two different ways. Are you just you know, it's hard to ignore the human rights issues, the economy, and it it's almost like it's just a a respite from everyday life, but. Again, I go back to the analogy with China because when we went there in 77, China was a billion people dressed in gray, a billion people dressed in green, everybody wearing bicycles. China is unrecognizable to that China 40 years ago. I'm not saying there's still not progress that has to be done, but you look at this window of opportunity for the U.S. and Cuba and there's plenty of work still to be done, you envision a very different Cuba uh, if, if it continues opening the path to relations. Uh, it'll be a very different Cuba 10 years from now. But for the moment, everybody put everything aside, and, and everybody was one, just celebrating. I mean, Raul, because Real Madrid is so well-known in Cuba, and so are the New York Cosmos. Raul was a rock star. Um, walking the streets, having dinner, uh, touching kids every place he went. He was a rock star with, with people in Cuba wearing his jersey. So, again, that's, that's the best of what the sport can do uh, for people. And, and, you know, the politics are often the ugly side of life. Uh, but this game... And the documentary reflect the beautiful things that it can do. 
Well, it also very much reflects a, a model of of something that goes back to, to that world tour that the Cosmos took back in, in the late 70s that you were so privileged to, to be a part of. And and it's it's this incredible idea of of taking something to the world, of bringing something to whether it's impoverished nations, whether it's first world nations, of just taking something around the world and and giving it to people. And that transitions into what I want to talk to you about next. And maybe you can kind of just you know look into this a little bit. Is this something that could start coming back for the cosmos? Start actually becoming a commonality the way it was back in the late 1970s with those trips to to China that you speak of? Uh, could, could there be a a next destination coming up for for the cosmos in this regard, Ship? Yeah, I don't think there's any question that's on the horizon. And again, it's it it, it, it starts Nate with with the game. You know the game. Without the game and the players. None of this is possible. But it's also the approach that the owners of the Cosmos took once they got the team and said, where do we go with this? What league do we play in? And, and who are we? So they took the world global approach to say, we want to be known with great players from all over the world, and that, in the end, will translate into attendance, and building our club at home. But they took the global approach rather than looking at it the other way. And, and a lot of times, too often in this country, I think in soccer, in our sport, we try and manufacture things, manufacture the marketing of it, manufacture the rivalry aspect of it. In the end, soccer is a very tribal sport. And the approach that the Cosmos took, once again, was... Let's be global. And in the end, that will help us build us to last, you know, beyond 10 years or 20 years, beyond our lifetime. So it was the approach they took. It's how they're going about things. And to your point, I think the trip to Cuba is the beginning. It's just the start of something they'll continue to do. Let's be part of the soccer tribe of the world. That's right. Shep, uh, as we as we wind up this uh, conversation about the Bridge to Cuba documentary, which will again be coming out this weekend on uh, One World Sports, what were some of your uh, favorite experiences that you had uh, down down in Havana in the time that you guys spent down there? <laughs> I want to say Cuba Libra, but you know, stuff to red wine. It, it, just the people. I mean, the people, the food, the ambiance, the 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 nature of of how you can, in a magical moment, because of a sport and because of a game, uh, you know, just just all be all in on something, and that's what the experience was. Uh, you know, Carmelo Anthony, uh, the Knicks player who uh, now owns a team in Puerto Rico in the NASL. Uh, he was on the trip. Pele was on the trip. Uh, look, Pele, wherever he goes. Uh, is a magnet. You know, he, he, he walks into a room and he's got that presence. So, but everybody was just kind of wide-eyed, open-mouthed, loving it. And, you know, we don't get often in, in today's society, in today's world, no matter who we are, where we are, you don't get to experience that. Just, it's kind of like a timeout, take a breath, and enjoy the moment. And and that's what the sport can do for you. That's what this trip did. Uh, the Cosmos, look, I look at a guy like Raul, who who really uh, 
I mean, he's been to the top of the mountain. You know what he's done at every level uh, at Real Madrid, Champions League. But for him, he was like a kid. I mean, he loved touching the people. Raul told me, um, he, he said he's going to bring his wife back there. He's got five kids. He said they loved it. We're going to, you know, when the season's over, I want to go back down there. And, and, and that's really the memorable part of, of a trip like that. The documentary is A Bridge to Cuba. Check it out on One World Sports. Nate Abarea and Shep Messing are back with you after this right here on World Soccer Talk Radio Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Sit tight. Welcome back in to World Soccer Talk Radio here on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. I'm your host, Nate Abarea. Tweet me at NateWST. Get a hold of all of us at World Soccer Talk and at Sports Byline USA for updates on the program. Joined by Shep Messing in this edition of the show. Now, Shep, as as a young man, uh, just so obsessed with the game of soccer, growing up here here in California and, and just growing up in, in America as a whole, there was such a, a, a mythical quality to, to the old North American Soccer League for me and the stories that I'd hear from, from family members, from, from friends, fathers and uncles and, and, and these tales. It just had such a, a mythical quality to it and hearing about the names and, and the Pele's and the Best and the Cruyffs. And one thing that I've really been grateful for over – the last seven months of, of doing this show, but especially over the last six weeks or so with some of the guests that we've had, the likes of, of Seamus Mallon, the likes of Ian Plenderleith, who wrote that phenomenal book, Rock and Roll Soccer, Rodney Marsh, Ray Hudson, so many others that we've had on this show. They've, they've really humanized the old NASL to me, while, while also actually kind of adding to, to the mythical qualities of it at the same time. And I've, I'm really stoked to have you on right now and, and talk about your time playing in goal for the old New York Cosmos. And, and we talk about how you, I love the line earlier in the show where you said, you know, you, the, the memories get greater and greater as the time goes by. And, you know, your performances in goal get, get better and better as the years go by. But <laughs> when, you think, when you think back right now, Shep, you know, sitting here talking to me on this radio show and we're talking about the, the mythical qualities of the old NASL, what do you, what do you remember most about, about the late 70s in the North American Soccer League? Um, Nate, it's a, it's a great it's a great point, and and, and look, it, it, it's mostly you know proud to have been part of it because you know it's human nature. If you ask if you ask a baseball player today who is Kurt Flood, they wouldn't have a clue. And Kurt Flood was responsible for free agency. If you, if you asked a basketball player in the NBA who Dr. J was, Julius Irving, they wouldn't know. But you know. Dr. J created, signed with the ABA, ended up with a merger uh, with the NBA, and, and the same with, with Joe Namath. So it's, you know, it's a human condition that you don't think. It, it wasn't invented soccer in this country uh, with, the, with the 90 World Cup team or with Major League Soccer. There was a void in the marketplace for a long time. But those guys that you mentioned, you know, for me, those are the guys that planted the seed that let this sport get where it's at today. And, and, and that's what's so, you know, it, it gets guys like the ones you talked about, like Ray Hudson and, and all the greats. We just sit here with a smile because we know we were part of it. And, and look, 
it was not a vanilla league. I mean, that was a league that had rock stars and Rodney Marsh, I mean, George Best, Gerd Muller, Johan Cruyff. I mean, these guys were the bomb, right? And I think there's a generation in this country where it was pretty vanilla. And, you know, I look at the U.S. national team now. You know, I, I want better. I want, I want it to be better. And, but again, to your point about the NASL, we're all proud of it because these were a bunch of eclectic superstars from all over the world who, hey, look, it's the United States. Everybody wants to come here. Uh, the players like Cristiano Ronaldo, he's got an apartment in New York. So U.S. has always had an attraction to the global superstars, and it was just that first generation of NASL that really those superstars were here playing. Well, Shep, I want to go back to, to the interview that we had with, uh, with Ian Plenderleaf, the author of, of Rock and Roll Soccer, uh, the, the fast times and short life of, of the North American Soccer League. And one of the main things that Ian said uh, to me on, on that show that day was that one of his main goals with that book was to defeat this idea of, of pigeonholing the old NASL as a failure because it, it, it ended up, uh, you know, failing. But, but within... So much of it is is the the other end of the spectrum. What it gave to the soccer world for for decades to come. And Ian talked about the the idea of of the UEFA Champions League, which many people don't realize really was an idea of, of changing the the model of the European Cup to the Champions League and having this big showcase with the the biggest of crowds and the idea of of super teams like Real Madrid and and Barcelona and what we've seen in recent years in in the Premier League with with the likes of Manchester. Manchester City and Chelsea, that many of the models that those teams and, and those competitions are following, they stem from the NASL and, and in many times specifically stem from the Cosmos. I mean, talk about that as far as people pigeonholing the old NASL as a failure rather than looking at what it gave the, the world of soccer for decades to come. Yeah, Nate, first of all, that's a great point. I haven't read the book, so I've got to get the book and read it. But I, I can tell you that that is very accurate, what you're talking about. And, and any dismissal of the NASL is, is, as a failure is just misinformed. Uh, that NASL did two things, and you talked about models and formats and tournaments. Go to a base level. At the base level... What the NASL did in this country, it made, it made soccer cool. It made soccer okay to play. It made it cool to play. It made it okay to watch. I, I was born in the Bronx. I grew up playing American football, basketball, baseball, and somehow I ended up playing for the national team, playing for the Olympics, and playing with the greatest players in the world on the Cosmos. But it was that that generation of the NASL, not just in New York with the Cosmos, but with George Best in L.A. and Cruyff and Mueller and all the names we're talking about, that's really what it did. It, it changed the perception and the reality of how soccer was viewed in this country. Before the NASL, it was not okay to be a soccer player if you were in 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 elementary school or high school or college, you play soccer, what? But it totally changed the mindset of the country. Bob Rigby, the goalkeeper for Philadelphia, 
was on a cover of Sports Illustrated. Uh, we were plastered all over the media, and again, it became cool. The Cosmos epitomized that in New York at the nightclubs with Mick Jagger, but all of a sudden, we were big-time credible as a sport, and I think that's really what it did uh, and why it should be best remembered for its foundation of the success the sport enjoys today. Anybody calling it a failure is just uh, totally misinformed. Shep, take us back to the Bronx. Talk about the first time you ever stepped between the pipes and, and the feeling that was left in, in your heart and mind going, goalkeeping? Maybe I can make a career of this. <laughs> well, I don't know if we have enough time to talk about it all, but it, listen, Nate, I never saw a soccer ball till I was 16. I, I was playing American football, shortstop in basketball, shortstop in baseball, and a point guard in basketball. Our football, our high school dropped football uh, for a season. And the, my older brother was playing soccer, and, and the soccer coach said, we need a goalkeeper. And I walked over, I watched my first game from the sideline. I saw 20 guys running around in shorts like crazy and, and two cool guys dressed in black. And I said, okay, I'll be a goalkeeper. <laughs> so that, that was the first time I went in goal, and it was – you know, look, I fell in love with the position, and the position fell in love with me. You know, I, I describe it as, as really the combination of having the focus and, and mental alertness and tranquility of yoga and combining that with a, a train wreck. I mean, you've got to be explosive. You've got to attack the ball. You, you have to be smart. You have to read angles. So I loved it, but for me... I was just always going to play one more year. I went to college. All of a sudden, I'm an All-American. Uh, I graduate Harvard, and all of a sudden, I'm playing in the Olympic Games. And then I was coming back home to, to go to law school, and I was playing pickup soccer on the weekend. And I signed with a, a really what I would call a semi-amateur team, the New York Cosmos. And then Pele's playing on the team. So for me, it was just always a okay, I'll play one more year and see what happens. Uh, you know, so I played 18 years professionally, and I'm still in the sport broadcasting. But listen, I'm just proud like all the NASL original guys are. We're, we're proud of where the sport is in, in this country. And, and the NASL was a meteor that took off with great players in every city from California to New York to Florida and and what they left behind, they left behind the foundation for everything we see today. Everything. Shep, in the uh, four minutes that we got left here with you, I want to talk about another soccer league in America that you were a part of back in the 1980s. And I speak, of course, of the MISL indoor soccer in the 1980s. And again, bringing up the name J.P. Della Camera, who has told some just incredible stories about his days broadcasting games from the old MISL. We've had Janusz Mahalik, who immigrated here from Poland and ended up playing for, for the U.S. men's national team. What did he do when he first came here? He played indoor soccer and the history of, of indoor soccer in this country. And I actually had the great privilege uh, earlier, uh, actually just a few weeks ago, being down in San Diego and going and seeing a San Diego soccer's game still alive and well. There's 3,500 people there at the arena. It was an absolute blast. What do you remember most about, about the old MISL, your indoor soccer days, Shep? 
<laughs> That's another hour show we'll do, but I'll give you the three-minute version. So <laughs> that's the league I love. And I think I think the NBA, MLS, NASL, somebody should do another three-month indoor season at a higher level because that was unbelievable with sold-out arenas and in Cleveland and Buffalo and L.A. and New York and St. Louis and Kansas City. I was the first player to sign in the league. What happened was we played an exhibition game against the Russians in Philadelphia. It was just a promoter's idea. Earl Foreman and Ed Tepper, and they rounded up a bunch of, of the pro players, outdoor players. I was one of them. And, and we played an exhibition game in Philadelphia, the U.S. against the Russians. And it was sold out, 17,000 people, 80 shots on goal. The place went wild. And so they wanted to form a league, but they needed one player, you know, to cross the line, uh, to make the jump. Um, I was playing out in Oakland. Pelé had retired. I left the Cosmos. I was playing for the Oakland Stompers. Your neck of the woods. I think the indoor team was the San Francisco Fog. But they needed a player to come back and, and cross the line. And, and so I was the first player signed by Major Indoor Soccer League, you know, big news, and I left Oakland, and I came back to play for the New York Arrows, and that was really the the waning years of the NASL, and for a while, it was the only game in town, those years you talked about. Yanish uh, Mahalik, JP was broadcasting, great players, great players, Steve Jungle, uh, so many players who came over we're playing both indoor-outdoor, and then we're only playing indoor. So I think it's a fantastic sport. And, you know, I know they're still playing like the San Diego Soccers, but I think a big-time league would be great. Shep, uh, in, in the one minute that we got left here with you, I got to actually tell you a quick story that, that my father actually shared with me just a few weeks ago. I had no idea you were going to be on the show, so I got to share this with you real quick. He and his his drunk friend Brian were at the Cow Palace for a uh, San Francisco Fog indoor soccer match, and I believe the story goes that you were playing for the New York Arrows, and after the match, uh, drunk friend Brian came over to the board. You remember the access that the fans had to the players? They're right on top of you. And he came over to the board as you were walking off, and he had a full beer in his hand and just pissed drunk, hammered. He yells down to you. He goes, hey, Shep, can I pour this beer on your head? And you, according to this story, you looked back up to drunk Brian and said, no, I'd rather you didn't, but I'll have a sip. And he handed the beer down to you, and you had a sip. That, that is, I, I don't know how accurate that story is, but I like it. I, I, let me, I'm going to close this on a high note. I'll tell you why I remember it. And your drunk father's friend wouldn't remember it. I do because my brother, my young brother, was the goalkeeper for the San Francisco Fog. So I had walked over and given him my condolences because his team was terrible and my team never lost. <laughs> and as we were walking out, yeah, give me a sip of that beer. Don't, don't pour it on my head. Hey, that was the days of the Wild West. And uh, you tell your father, uh, I love that sip of beer. Oh, absolutely. Shep, you're welcome back on the show anytime, man. This was great fun. And best of luck calling the uh, NASL Championship Semi with JP tomorrow. Hey, thanks for having me on, Nate. Hey, good luck to you. You're doing a great job. Get me back anytime you want. 
Absolutely. Again, that was Shep Messing, a New Yorker through and through, a goalkeeper through and through. Check them out tomorrow, NASL Championship Semifinal, alongside JP Della Camera, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, Fort Lauderdale and the New York Cosmos. Back to close this thing out after this, World Soccer Talk Radio. Stay tuned. Fearless Friday forecast time. A quick one, a sweet one. I got the Cosmos 3-2 over Fort Lauderdale getting in to the final in the North American Soccer League. I got Ottawa over Minnesota United. Ottawa 2, Minnesota United 1. Heading to Spain real quick, La Liga. I got Real Madrid beating Sevilla. 3-1, to one, Ronaldo with a brace. MLS Cup playoffs will pick two matches here. I got Dallas 2, Seattle 1, 3-3 three, three on aggregate. Goes to penalties, Sounders with the win. Ooh, ooh, this one is a fun one. Columbus and Montreal. 2-2, two, two, it goes to penalties. Drogba scores a penalty. Montreal carry on. I sure hope they do. A Drogba-less MLS Cup playoffs? That doesn't, that, that, I, I don't want that. Premier League, North London Derby, Arsenal 3, Tottenham 1. Be sure to check out Rabble.tv with our good pal Dirty Mike, 1045 a.m. Eastern Time. North London Derby on Rabble. Join the revolution. Thanks to Rabble. Thanks to the gaffer. Thanks to Scott Cuddy. Thanks to Shep Messing. I'm Nate Abarea. Have a great footballing weekend. Talk to you Monday. Cheers. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.